This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. My origin fever is continuing unabated. Absolutely. Uh, And we'll start with uh, last night's game at Parramatta Stadium. Uh, Queensland doing it again. 18-10 winners. So both games. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, wow. An, under, an undermanned and backs against the wall performance from a from a scrappy band of Queenslanders against a heavily favoured New South Wales team. Yeah. I've, I've never, never heard of this that before. before. No, this not at all. First, this is the first time I've ever seen a game like that. Yeah, but both won by eight points as well. So there you go. My urgent fever is is running so rampant I didn't even realize that. Yeah. They, I'm they... just I'm I'm twin tracks at the minute, man. I'm dead, but I'm alive at the same time. <laughs> um yeah, so we were both out there last night in what I thought was a pretty uh scrappy affair, Nick. What what did what did you make of it? Yeah, I thought that the standard of play in in this one was probably down on what I've come to expect from from the women's state of origin game, which is which is very much the elite product in women's rugby league right now. Um, once I sort of sat down and thought about it, though, I was it was easier to understand why. So, the last year's game in Canberra was arguably the best women's origin that had ever been played in terms of standard of play, in terms of execution of skills, and 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 mixing those skills with aggression and physicality and all of that. But I thought about it a little bit and I was like, that game came off the back of a full NRLW season. This game, um, all the all the players, most of the play, some of the players rather, played in the two state competitions, the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership in New South Wales and the Brisbane Premiership up in Queensland. The Harvey Norman Women's Premiership down here has been over for six weeks. Yeah. And the women's premiership up there has been over for three weeks. Mm. So a lot of players were coming into this short of a run. And a lot of them didn't play a whole lot of footy in either of those competitions because um, they had the late finish to the year last season with the World Cup. So as a result, they're sort of hitting this game a little bit cold. So you add that in with both sides missing a couple of key players and some and some very experienced players at that. And then it shouldn't be a surprise that this game sort of took a while to heat up and, and that, the, you know, there was some some pretty poor handling and and execution throughout. Um, I thought it was physical and willing as always, yeah. but Queensland were able to get this one done. I thought because they were able to sort of get their game on despite everything happening around them. You know, I know we talked a lot about Jesse Southwell in the lead up to the match and I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry for putting the Canton kiss of death done it again. on poor old Jesse. She, um, thought she had some nice touches, but you know, it was her first game and all that. And there were some growing pains that come with that. But I thought Zahara Temera at halfback for Queensland was was really, really strong. Just got them around the park really, really well. Um, Ali Brigginshaw at lock. That's a move that has to keep happening for, I think, for just about any team that she plays in because her tactical nous is still very much on display, but she has slowed down a little bit because she has played so much footy. Um, and yeah, I thought that the Blues forward pack, having a bit a bit of extra muscle in the likes of Kezi Apps and Millie Boyle and Kennedy Jarrington was going to be a strength, but it actually turned into a bit of a weakness because when they needed to go wide and score some quick points, they kind of struggled with it. You know, they said like Southwell and Pearson, I thought struggled to link with, with Tonegato consistently. And then you throw in the injuries that the blues suffered. They lost Tiani Penitani the morning of the game. And that's put Talia Fuimeono out in the centers. And then they lost Isabel Kelly to that really frightening throat injury in the first half. 
and all of a sudden they've they've they, you know they're just they've got some warm bodies out and out 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 wide, but not out and out point scoring machines or anything like that. So all of that added up, and Queensland just played this one a little bit smarter, and I think that's why they got it done. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that, especially towards the end of the game. I think that lack of cohesion in the back line was was noticeable. I think that they had they had plenty of chances to get back into that game, especially in the last ten minutes, and it was just sort of sort of shifting the ball left to right without any real endeavor. And yeah, this is the end result. Um, uh, just ten points for a team with all those stars in the park. And you're right; it is interesting. Maybe they have to have a think about how they schedule things in the future because you you it would be. We would think it just as idiotic if Origin for the men was held in February, which is basically like. So I I don't know what you do though. Like, do you tr- do you bring the women's competition forward? Do you have the women's Origin later in the year? I understand they want to have it now while the men's get while the men's series is running, so they can have them running concurrently. But if it's going to be to the detriment of the game because it's coming at a time of the year where these where these girls aren't playing footy for a month beforehand. I mean, surely that you can't do that again next year. Yeah, I, I wrote a, I wrote a little bit bit about this um, on the on the ABC site this morning. I don't know what the answer is, and any changes that they do make have to be really carefully considered because all of these players that were out there last night are semi professional, so they've all got jobs yeah. away from footy. So they, they if you want them to be available, you're going to have to try and give them as much notice as possible. And there were a few players, big name players, who missed this game because of because of work commitments you know so i i understand that they like running the two origin series concurrently i i think that really helps with the with the, with the branding but i think that now that women's origin is an established brand on its own and it's an established event i think it can stand apart from the men's a little bit so i wonder if i wonder if the spot for it is at the end of the season so yeah. play the nrlw season then maybe a two week break and then go, then play it on sort of back-to-back Saturday nights or or, or or something like that, you know, because this is the elite product of Women's Rugby League and it needs to be presented and packaged in an elite way if they want to continue a lot of the progress that they've made. And there has been real tangible progress. Like this is the first year that um, the the game is, is being played over two, or sorry, the series has been played over two, two legs, matches. Yeah. There was a record crowd there last night. It was really loud. It was a really young crowd as well. Yeah. A lot of kids there, a lot of young girls there. And 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 that sort of augurs really, really well for the future. But I yeah, I think the the powers that be just need to really, really have a think about how they package this one. I think they need to put this game in a position to succeed if they want to keep continuing to grow it. Yeah, it's a tough one as well, dude. Because like the if you have it after the NRLW season though, because there's what two is it two or three weeks of finals now? Um regardless, um, it- there'll be like regardless of what that answer is, there'll be some teams that aren't in the finals. So if you add that on to the end of the season plus another two weeks after, you're in the same situation where there will be some that's, girls that that's, aren't playing. That's, that's true. That's true. But weeks. they've still had a full NRLW season. Yeah. Like say say it's a team that that misses the finals. That's and true. Goes, that is better than having weeks without playing. The she's she's right. still at pretty close to her peak yep. condition. Yeah. You know what I mean? She she'll be closer to it for having gone through the NRLW preseason and through the season than she would be just from playing in yeah. the state competitions. Ali Brigginshaw mentioned after the game what a jump it is in standard. And I think Kylie Hilda mentioned that she had some players on her team who'd played two matches since the World Cup last year. So I do think I do think that because I do think both sides will be better for the run. And I think that we'll 
get a, yeah. a, a much better spectacle up in Townsville in a couple of weeks' time. I know the Blues are getting Samoa Talfa back. That's a that's a really it's big, big one. one for them. Um, you're, you'd assume that they'll be without Isabel Kelly. Kelly. Yeah. Um, so I'm 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 not sure. I, I I do think the big one for them is just trying to link to some of their playmakers together because they yeah. have so much creativity just and so much spark, but just. Part. A bit like the a bit like the men's side, they just sort of struggle to 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 connect some of the some of the really strong parts of their roster. It, it yeah, it was eerily similar in 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 a couple of ways. But yeah, most most notably the sort of attack not coming together at all. But um, yeah, I think you're right, mate. I think game two, I think will be at a higher standard because they'll be better for this game. Uh, anyone in particular want to shout out from Queensland? Um, well, you mentioned Destiny Brill in the lead up and I don't know, she didn't do a whole lot of really fancy stuff, but just her service off the deck was just really, really impeccable. I think you could really see her rugby union background coming through in that. Um, she was just really whipping it off the deck and you compare that to the blues. Keely Davis had a, had a pretty tough one at hooker. And I think she's someone who could be lucky to hold on to hold on to her spot for, for origin too, if, if we're being fair dinkum about it. Um, Keely Joseph was really strong. I thought Julie Robinson was really good on the wing. Tamika Upton just sort of, sort of finds those attacking touches when they really, really matter. Um, I really do like that halves combo of, of Tamara and Aiken. I think they complement each other really, really well. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was a really experienced, composed, smart performance from Queensland. That's what really made the difference, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you're right. It was just great to see so many so many kids there really sort of kicking every ball and screaming and living and dying. With it was the, a good vibe. It was a good atmosphere. The vibes were great. That stadium, as I've always said, is awesome regardless of whether there's 10,000 people or 30,000 people. And it sounds extremely loud. Um, and it was loud last night. All right. Let's move on. Try! Try! This is a try! Brilliant! Brilliant play! I think it's a try! Oh, I don't know if this is going to be a try! Gee, what about this bloke? If you are a new listener to the show this year, uh, this is our new segment, What About This Bloke, where we talk about a footy player you might have forgot, usually from the late 90s, early 2000s, but uh, yeah, a bit of a trip down memory lane, Camper. So sitting around and naming old footy players is the finest thing a person can do. It's literally my favorite thing to do in the entire world. And this week, beloved patron, he changes his name all the time. The only one who changes his name more than this guy is the Combat Vehicle. This week, the guy's name is Josh Papstein did not retire himself. Yep. And he has selected your favorite and mine to wear a Nikia. Great player. I think of all the guys that we've had selected for what about this guy so far this season, to wear a Nikia might be my favorite one because his his career is is a real it's a it's a hell of a story. So he's one of those, he's one of those dudes who sort of got his start in top line footy in the late 80s in New Zealand when the club competition over there was still strong enough that Blokes could play there and, and and get picked for New Zealand and 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 do really well, but he sort of made his name in England more than anywhere else. He was there for about five or six years for a variety of teams. I think he spent some time with York, a bit of time with Castleford, a bit of time with Sheffield, and he turned into one of the sort of tougher Premier forwards in the entire world. He was playing for New Zealand a fair bit as well, and he finally came out to Australia in 1995, and he's and he signed up with Cronulla and. It's a that's that that's a little bit before my time, but he just seems to me to be very emblematic of some of those really strong bomb squad Cronulla teams of the of the mid to late nineties. You know what I mean? With guys like 
Mitch Healy and David Peachy was on the rise and Matt Rogers was looking sick. And, you know, there were a lot of, there were a lot of, they were a team that maybe didn't have the biggest names, but they were a really good side when they were all linked together. You know what I mean? Like a, a champion team more than a team of champions or anything like that. And Nick Al was just sort of that classic hard nosed, hard hitting, hard running Kiwi forward. Like everything he did was tough. You know, really throwing himself around really, really willingly. But we're burying the lead here. The the biggest thing that most people think of when they think it's weary Nick Al is that mullet. Yeah. You know, and there are fellas today with mullets and it's all trendy and it's all fancy or whatever. If you had a mullet in the 90s, you were really committed to the mullet lifestyle. You had to because be it was so far man. out of fashion, it was not funny. And to wear a Nick Al had a mullet that like some of these boys today can only dream of. That shit was halfway down his back. It was, great. It was incredible. Would anyone talk shit about it? No, because he's Tawira Nikau. He's a killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My my sort of first introduction to Tawira Nikau properly, I mean, because again, we were very, very young when, when he was sort of running around in England and then came back to Cronulla. But I those, those storm teams when they first came in, I mean, he was a key role. I mean, he was a forward leader in, in, in that pack. Yeah, very much so. So he he was he was a foundation signing for the Storm, and he was sort of part of the first generation of Storm of of Kiwi forwards to play for the Storm, which is something that continues to this day. Like you can trace a really clear lineage from Tawira and Nikau and Matt Ruer and Richard Swain to Stephen Kearney, then down to sort of guys like you know Sikamanu and David Kidwell and Adam Blair, and then. On to Kevin Proctor and Tohu Harris, and then all the way down now to guys like Eli Katawa and Nelson Sofa Solomona. The Storm have always had really good New Zealand forwards, and I remember that that time really vividly. Those first couple of Storm years, because that was just when I was first starting to follow footy, and the Storm just seemed impossibly exotic. Like, oh my God, there's a team from Melbourne that may as well be another planet. That's not New South Wales or Queensland. This is fucking crazy, you know. And they had like the the cool jerseys with the big collars and they all had the names on the back and that. And I've mentioned before that 99 season highlights video that I just watched until the tape burnt out and Melbourne was so good on that. Like I saw, I always had such a big soft spot for him. And Tawira Nikau was a big part of the reason that the storm were able to be so good. So early had a really good season in 1998, really good again in 1999. There's a case to be made that he could have won the Clive Churchill medal in the 99 grand final. Like, at half time, they're done and dusted. And in the second half, he's the one that sort of puts the team on his back and says, follow me, boys. We're not going down like this. We're going to stand up to him. And then something I remember really, really vividly is after they win the game, him, Matt Rua, Stephen Kearney, and Richard Swain doing a haka in the sheds afterwards. And I, I, maybe, maybe it's just something that I've seen in the years since that I've just sort of then retrospectively added to my memory. But it was the first time I sort of saw people like doing a haka to celebrate something. And Tawira Nikau doing the haka is like, that's God level hakering. That's that's the really, really good shit, you know? Mm. And I remember even watching on the news, um, the Storm sort of celebrations down in Melbourne and they introduced the players one by one. And Robbie Ross was first and he was just sort of mucking around. But then Tawira Nikau was second and like he's flexing for the crowd and ripping his shirt off and whatever. He's like a real fan favorite down there and like a real personality play that was the last game he ever played for the storm but they ended up naming a grandstand after him at olympic park which is a which is a fair old rap but then after he leaves the storm um he goes through a lot he goes back to england and he's playing over there 
midway through his second season back in England, his wife, um, his wife took, took her own life, which sort of, you know, that ended his career and, and, you know, it's a horrible thing to, to happen to anybody. After that, he got involved with the fight for life charity over in New Zealand and, and did a lot of really good work with them. And then a couple of years later, he's in a motorcycle crash. The, and the, the bottom part of his right leg got totally amputated, but he, um he sort of found the, the silver lining in that as well and did a lot of, a lot of charity work with all that, with all, um with a lot of different organizations that I'm pretty sure he ran a marathon at some point on the, with, with, with his prosthetic leg on and just a, a really inspiring, a really inspiring fella. You know what I mean? In, in, in retirement. So to where I know that I've sort of turned this into Campo just monologues for five minutes, but yeah, to where Nick out one of my favorites since I was a boy, you know, and just a very, a very impressive footballer, but a more impressive man. Have you read his book? I haven't. No, I've always wanted to. I've always wanted to. I think it's called Standing Tall. It is. Came out about 2004. I've always wanted to get my hands on it, but I've never managed to. That's all right. Anyway, well, what a fun trip down memory lane. Uh, to Rui Nikia, great player. Uh, who's up next? Well, the random number generator has landed on someone close to my heart. Beloved patron, Tom Hardy. It's Fantastic. time. It's time. Tom Hardy, a, a great, a great Raiders man. He's told me in the past that he's got like three fellas in the chamber just in case his number came up. But TH, the time has come. Let me know, brother. We're doing Hell, it. Yeah. All right. Uh, round 14. Footy. Where does the time go? Uh, where does it go? Campbelltown Stadium, West Tigers. Canberra is just the one game today. Again, from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. tonight, I'll be wandering the streets, searching for answers. Uh, but uh, it will be Jag Croker's 300th go. It won't oh, be. wait. Yeah, because <laughs> they're resting him. They sure uh, are. I, they it. I will be heading out there. You are away on family business, so... Somehow the Croker things worked out great for you, as we discussed earlier in the week. How are the the baby Raiders going to go without their without their talismanic leader? Well, without their father, mm. when when dad is away, the kids will play. Uh yeah. I, the 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 thing that sort I was pretty confident about Canberra taking this one, but Seb Chris getting ruled out, and then Xavier Savage not coming straight in at fullback has really raised my eyebrows a little bit. They've got Harley Smith Shields listed at fullback. I don't think he'll play fullback. I think either Rapana or Hopawati will, but it just seems strange to me that Savage wouldn't just slot straight in there. And it actually makes me wonder how much of a future the club sees in Xavier Savage mm. if they're not going to put him in in a situation like this. And it's crazy to me that somebody could go from, we're going to make him the fullback and and at the expense of Charles Nickel Klukstad. And yeah. then in 12 months, he's like, can't even get a run when the first string is injured, you know? So I'm not sure what they're doing there. Maybe this is just a smoke screen and Savage will start at fullback tonight, but that's what I'm struggling to understand. But I digress a little bit. Um, West have been so strong in the forwards over the last probably like couple of months now. So I'm expecting them to be able to match Canberra's intensity up the middle of the field. This will be really contingent to me if Canberra can sort of play with a little bit of expansion and play with a little bit of verve. Cause I think they will have chances to get the, the tigers on the, on the edges of the ruck, you know? And when I look at the tigers, I wonder where the points are going to come from, especially if Api Corusau doesn't play big minutes, which I I'd be surprised if he did because he got through 80 on, on Wednesday night. And like, it's just a really tall order. So unless they're able to sort of create stuff off Appy at nine, I 
not 100% sure where the points are going to come from. Like Stafford Towers going to get his. He always he always does, apparently. But um, yeah, I, I think if Canberra, if Ca- I know Canberra's defense hasn't been great these last couple of weeks, but if it's just a little bit better than it was against Souths, I think they should they should have too much firepower for Wes. Yeah, I agree with that. I know a lot of West fans are getting excited uh, for a potential debut as well. They've named uh, Talon De Silva. He's still in the 19 right now. Apparently, he's their number nine of the future. Uh, do you know much about him? I didn't, but I saw a few of the West fans. I know getting very excited at the prospect of him uh, uh, Cam- being rushed in. Campbelltown boy, so hometown debut would would you know that's always that's always nice for for anybody. Um, yeah, he's someone the club's really excited about. He's played a little bit of. Um, underage rep footy and all that sort of deal. And I think they do see him as like the heir apparent when, um, whenever Coruscant decides to, to hang him up. So it's always nice to see a young fella get in there. I'm going to have a lot of conflicted feelings about John Bateman. Yeah. It's the first game that he's played against the Raiders. I never wanted him to leave. I would still love to have him back. Um, I'm going to be interested to see how he sort of approaches this one because you know that the, him and the club probably didn't part on the best of terms, and I think him having a big one and sort of having some of those unorthodox plays where he just sort of generates points by himself. I think that's a like if West want to win, they kind of need that to happen. Um, and he's going head to head with Hudson Young, who sort of is was is his protege a little bit down in Canberra. Young's got a point to prove after only getting thirty odd minutes in in Origin One. I'm expecting big minutes. From Hudson Young, I think Ricky Stewart will want to give him every chance to to kind of, you know, work through what happened on Wednesday night. I'm not going to say he's primed for a big one because every time I say that, yeah, I like end people's careers. <laughs> but um, yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't. I think Hudson Young's either going to have a really great game or just totally overplay his hand and fuck a lot of stuff up. Um, and I'm excited to see which way it goes. Yeah, I think I think he'll bounce back. Um, but I'm going to take the Tigers in this one. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm taking Canberra. I'm taking Canberra. I'm even though they're without um, even though they're without Chris and and Croker, I think they've have too much quality ac- across the park. Bad karma for West Croker, but it won't it won't be easy. It won't be easy. Footy gods need to punish your team for their footy arrogance. god. Footy god is dead. Yeah. Well, look, I I started looking at the team list. I got to fullback Jareem Bula versus Harley Smith Shields, and I didn't read any further and went, "Yep, Tigers, done." Jareem wow. Buller against a Harry Potter character. Who's going to win that? <laughs> one? I don't know. Okay, yeah. So just one game tonight. Uh, we do have three. Back to a full slate of Super Saturday. Uh, Warriors Dolphins at three o'clock. Um, yeah, uh, it's uh, uh, no no big no big uh, no big origin returns for the Warriors, but uh, the Dolphins will be without. Tom Gilbert and uh, I believe the hammer is also not named. So obviously a bit tough on them to have to travel to New Zealand on top of playing origin on the Wednesday night. So yeah, a very weakened dolphins going over the ditch. Yeah. Yeah. The, the dolphins have kind of been stretched to their limit on this one, you know, um, even like Gil- Gilbert's going to be out for probably quite some time now, which is a real hammer blow for them. He's been one of the, the real constants for them in their forward pack, either at lock or second row, he's just done a job in every single position he's played this year. Um, you can't like 
I think we like we've reached the point now where you can never write off the Dolphins. You can never sit here and say, "Oh, they've got no one left. They're going to suck. They're going to get knocked all around the place." But I don't know. Like the the trip over New Zealand probably won't be easy for them. We've seen how much they've struggled outside of Queensland this year. And while the Warriors were underwhelming against the Broncos, I, I actually expected a whole lot more from them and was quite disappointed by what they dished up. You know, I think there's a chance that they that they re, that they rebound from that quite strongly. Um, and if you just look at their team, it is it is looking a lot more settled. I I I I I think they they they're, they're going to have a real bounce back, which is why. Here's Taylor rolling the ball in. I mean, he's after it. He might have got it down. He thinks he did. Oh! Cold train carp. I'm cold training the Warriors at last. I thought about doing it last week. That didn't. Good thing. I, good thing week. I didn't. Would have blown up in my face. But in New Zealand for the second week in a row, point to prove over la- after last week. Yeah, I like the Wars on this one. Yeah, it's it's look. It's tough to write the Dolphins off at any point now, given what we've seen this year, but. They're running on fumes at this point, mate, aren't they? And yeah, a trip overseas, missing a couple of their best players. It's difficult to see them winning this one. But again, the Warriors were supposed to win comfortably last week and they didn't do that. So we'll, we'll, we we will see, but I will tip the Warriors. They they well. do. The Warriors do get Wade Egan back after he's, he's been out for a while and he, he was playing some really good footy before he got injured. And they've also got Dylan Walker back on the bench. So that should help diversify their attack through the middle of the field just a little bit. They're, they're looking something close to fully loaded for the first time in a good while. So, and if the Warriors want to sort of capitalize on the, on the solid start they made to the year, if they want to make the finals, these are the sorts of games that they have to, that they have to win. They have to take care of business with this stuff. So, and you know, when is, when is expecting the Warriors to take care of business ever blown up in my face? Not once, not even once. It blew up in my so, face less than a week ago though. So yeah. Can't, can't trust them. Can't trust them, but I will tip them. Trust right. no one, not even yourself. Exactly. So moving on to the Gold Coast for the 5.30 game. The Titans hosting the South Sydney Rapidos. Um, well, the, the squad is still at 22 players, but they've whittled down. Uh, so they've so not whittled down yet, but all their origin players, uh, Campbell and Campbell Graham, I'm including him in that list uh look to be playing for Souths, which is big while on the other side of the field all their origin players all one of them well th- three i said including Souths. campbell graham Souths didn't they yes. just oh jay arrow as well sorry i didn't see the bench did yep. jay arrow play on wednesday night i feel like he didn't it feels like he didn't but then i looked afterwards he played 40 minutes apparently how does like, seem true do they count the time he's wearing the cane toad hat as i minutes can play? only assume that that is that is the case. Yeah. But, uh, yep, so they're backing up. Uh, Tina Fasumawali playing for the Titans as well. Um, should be a fun one, I think. Uh, South and Titans have had some pretty fun games in the past. Uh, that that weird game where Adam Reynolds kicked a field goal but got done for a blocker and then the Titans went at the other end and won it in Golden Point. Um, they've had some fun games. Uh, and with the way the Titans have gone this year, with their ability to sort of drag other teams into that vortex of chaos. Uh, we could see a, a pretty pretty weird one here, Campo. Yeah, I think um, I, I really like the selection of Jaden Campbell at 5'8 for the Titans. Um, I actually think that's his, that's a more natural spot for him than fullback, in attack at least. Defensively, I think there are going to be some problems. I think South will be lining up Keon Kolomitangi and thinking, Jaden, you're about to have the worst day of your entire life. But I'm hoping that the battle we sort of get between Campbell and whoever's running at him is the battle that we get in this game as a whole. I want a Titans points fest. I want one of those like 40 to 36 
type games. And I think as we saw with South Sydney last week, they can be they can be vulnerable sometimes out wide. They can sort of be stung a little bit. So I would really, really like it if we got a light, breezy point shootout on a on a Saturday. You know, I'm expecting South Sydney's attack to still be really strong, even though Latrell Mitchell's not there. We mentioned how well Blake Toff did last week. Cody Walker's in in pretty exceptional form right now. I think he's attacking at a at a really, really high level. So I don't know. I think this this could be one where, you know, both teams just sort of score a shitload of points. And, yeah, well what, like and whoever scores last wins. Well that's that was the South game last week, right? With and even without Trell and even without those those big name forwards, they 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 found a way to score five tries. Um it was just their defense, in particular their defense on their right hand side, Canberra's left that that betrayed them and and Tane Milne's been the one that's paid the prize there. He's been dropped for Richie Kenner. So no injuries or anything like that. He's he's in the team as the eighteenth man. So that's um a very short leash for Crazy Tane from Jason Demetriou. You got you you gotta you gotta keep it. You gotta keep t- Crazy Tane on a short leash. Mm. You gotta like you gotta be you got it's gotta you gotta have a firm hand with him. So the the big thing for me with Cody Walker is I think it's possible that he can get back into the Origin side if he keeps braining them the way that he has over the last couple of weeks. What do you reckon? Do you think he's a do you think he's a genuine chance if he keeps slicing teams to pieces? Well, mate, eyes on the stats brought to you by Specsavers. Shout out Specsavers. Um, Cody Walker, I, I I knew he was having a good season, but I wasn't aware that he has 18 try assists, which is five more than Reese Walsh in second. 18 is so a lot. 18, 18 in what, like 12 games? 13 games, yeah. That's like that's like PVL ball numbers. Well, that's what I'm that's saying, because right? you remember that comical number of tries he had in 2020 in in the 2021 six again season. It was like he ended up with 40, and we were like, oh, we won't see numbers like Tom Tavoyevich's, uh his try tally. We won't see numbers like Cody Walker's try assist tally again. Well, we won't see one of those again. But we, <laughs> we, we might see the other one because he's got half a season left, and he's got 18 of the things already. And Souths are only just now moving into sort of like the soft part of their schedule. They've been playing killers basically every week. So Bro, dog, he dog, he only had 21 all the last year. Yeah. yeah 20, 21 in 27 last year, which is still a really great return. Well, was it last year where people were sort of memeing him because he didn't have a try assist until good Friday? Like he didn't have one of like the first four or five games he has played until. I don't think he had one for the first like three weeks of this season either. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably you're right. I don't remember, but like, yeah, eighteen already this year. Yeah, twenty line break assists. So uh, he's man, he's well and truly in form. And that combo he has with with we touched on it a little bit. I think it was on the questions episode. I don't remember. We've done a thousand of these this week, but he does have a little bit of a combination with Nathan Cleary from back in the twenty twenty series. And they do. I thought they complemented each other quite well on those occasions. So I think it'd be a bit stiff to drop Jerome Lewis. I thought he did pretty well on Wednesday night. But if Walker keeps going the way he's going, it honestly wouldn't surprise me if the Blues turned to him. Yeah, and I think anyone who thinks Cody Walker's overrated should go to Specsavers, quite personally. So. Uh, like So that that South Sydney right side really struggled defensively last week. Normally, I would talk about the Titans' left side sort of matching up really well with them, but we just don't know how much we're going to get out of Fafita. He had a pretty big game on, on Wednesday night. I assume he's a little bit knocked around. And Brian Kelly's been dropped as well. And mm. Kieran Foran, who's sort of held that whole edge together, he's injured too, so... While I'm still expecting the Titans to have a lot of points in them, it might not come down that that left side, which has been such a great weapon for them this year. Um, the Titans have got, uh, I'm not sure how to say his first name, I'm afraid, but Keanu Kinney, he's playing, he's, he's having his, like, his first NRL start at fullback. He's someone that the Titans are really, really stoked about. I think he got five minutes off the bench um, in a game the other week. But So this is like his actual proper 
first grade debut. Um, and you know, with Jaden Campbell and AJ Brimson already at the club, I think the the, the Titans absolutely need another fullback. So, oh, so why not throw him into the mix? Yeah, uh, Ken Mamalo sighting in the in the squad still in the twenty two. So, hang in there, Eddie. Hang in there. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm taking I'm taking Souths in this one, but I'm 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 expecting a high scoring, free flowing affair. Well, they've lost two in a row now. They need to bounce back, sort it out. So I'm going to take them as well. And then finishing off the Saturday, we've got uh, Shark Park Cronulla hosting Broncos. Um, a sea of ins for Brisbane. Uh, Corey Oates is back. Patrick Carrigan. Payne Haas, Reese Walsh, Selwyn Cobo, Tom Flagler, all named. Uh, I mean, again, it's a Oates is in the twenty-two, but uh, you know, all named, and we'll see how that squad is whittled down. It is harder in Origin Week to do these previews because the, the squads are allowed to be a bit longer for a bit, bit longer in time. Uh, Nico Hines playing. I mean, why wouldn't he? Didn't barely featured on Wednesday night. So, yeah, Brisbane getting a lot of troops back for what. I think is going to be a pretty stiff test for them. They don't have to go to Sydney many times this year, but this is one of them. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a real shame that this is coming off the back of an origin fixture. And like, who knows how many of Brisbane's origin players are going to be in this game. Like I'd be surprised if all of them make it just because that's generally not how these things work, you know, but which ones are going to be there? Like who could, who could possibly say, but it's a shame because this would be a, this, I think this would be, not a, I don't think Brisbane need to pass any tests. I think Cronulla do. I think the shoe's on the other foot. And I would really like to see how Cronulla would go against one of the best teams in the competition because I don't. They haven't played one since. Well, that, so that that top th- the best three teams in the comp right are probably Souths, Penrith, and Brizzy. And I don't think the Sharks have played any of them since they played Souths in round one, right? And that's such a long time ago now that, you know, things are different and teams have changed and all that sort of deal. But Cronulla have a share of the competition lead, but I'm still not 100% sold on them. Mm. And the rate, the way that I can get sold on them is to see them go head to head against one of those other really good sides and sort of see what they're made of, see what they've got, you know. Um, and if Brisbane were fully loaded, if they had Payne Haas, you know, not coming off the back of an origin of that Pat Carrigan, not coming off the back of an origin. I think this style matchup favors them because I just don't know if Cronulla's forwards who have been better over the last couple of weeks are going to be able to withstand that Bris- that Brisbane middle, which has just been so destructive through this entire season. Um, so it is very contingent on, on who plays for Brisbane and yeah. how long they play, but in a vacuum, if it was just, if it's just Brisbane's best team, I would favour Brisbane pretty pretty warmly. I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I'll I'll tip Cronulla in a in a close one. I think Brisbane will. You probably, tipping Cronulla? I think. So no unlike you. Yeah, I think Brisbane will probably not have a couple of these guys when the final 17s are named. And on top of that, I don't know. It's at Shark Park. I think they do have a point to prove. Um, and yeah, I think this is a game where Brisbane can afford to rest a couple of guys. They don't have to come to Sydney. I think they come to Sydney one more time after this. So given their spot on the ladder, they are outright first. If you take buyers out of it, um, this is a game where they might rest a couple of dudes. Cronulla bit full strength, pretty full shark park, uh, raucous crowd. I'll, I'll take the sharks in a close one. I'll, I'll stick with Brisbane, but that's just, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's just based on hoping everyone actually makes it there. I don't know if it's, yeah, the, sh- the I don't sharks know if it's going to happen. The sharks are warm favorites with the bookies. So mm. yeah. I'm um, really interested to see um, if Reese Walsh plays the yeah. way that he sort of backs up from origin. Cause I think uh, like he's not someone who was ever short of confidence or talent or, or anything like that. But I think sometimes we see guys 
sort of go to a new level after they do well in origin footy. And I think Walsh could be, could be a, a fellow like that. Like I look at someone like, um, like Pat Carrigan, who sort of after he did well in origin last year, took his game to that level permanently and, 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 and has stayed there ever since, you know, and I, I wonder if that's something that could happen for Walsh as well. So he's him and Haas are kind of the key ones for me. If those two play, then I'm, then I will tip Brisbane with confidence. If one of them's out, I'll still tip Brisbane, but I won't feel great about it. If both of them are out, then um, I'd switch to Cronulla. That's fair. All right. Roosters hosting the Bulldogs in Gosford on Sunday for the first of three games on Sunday. James Sadesco backing up, of course. Uh, Lindsay Collins also named uh, for the Roosters on the other side. Uh, Tavita Pango Jr. is in the 23 jumper, but you'd imagine he will come in like only played 27 minutes on on Wednesday night. But the, the Roosters get... Um, the Roosters get uh, Daniel Tupo. Well, I don't know if they get him back. He's named in the 18 right now. They've got uh, Junior Palga named to start on the on the wing, on the other wing to Corey Allen right now. But you can imagine Daniel Tupo could come back in. Joey Manu back in, though, Campo is the big one, as well as Jared Rehago. Some very good ins for the Roosters this week. If the Roosters are going to start doing what we think they can do, it, 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 it has to start now. It has to start now. They've had, they've had a bye. They've had a week off to to think on their sins and think about what they need to fix and how they're going to fix it and all that sort of stuff. And they're getting some troops back now. And I know that they're still not fully strength. I know there's still a couple of guys missing, but this is still a roster that should be doing so much more than it is. And if they can't fix it now, after having all this time to think about it, then I'm, then I don't think it can be fixed this season. So I can't, I've kind of put, I've come very close to putting a line through them for the finals, not just for the, premiership or anything like that. And I need to see something. I need to see something, you know, they've had a lot of time to dwell on this. They've had a lot of time to fix some stuff. Show me it, man. Show me it. Show me, show me what I was so convinced was there. Show me you still have it. You know, they've got a lot of players with a whole lot to prove and a whole lot of extra motivation to get their season back on track. I'm not confident that it's going to happen though, because I feel like I've been saying similar things about the Roosters for the last couple of weeks. And mm. while Canterbury are probably like a, a team that they can get some joy out of, like Jaden Ockenbaugh starting in second row and Kyle Flanagan starting in the middle of the field. Oh, sorry, Kyle Flanagan. Corey Waddell starting in the middle of the field. The Waddlers, it, we're out here. Well, you know, it's not been a premium winter for the Waddlers. Like this is a, this is a Canterbury team that does have weaknesses that can be attacked and exploited. And... If the Roosters are good enough, they should be able to do that. But I just have no, I have very little confidence that they are good enough to do that right now, you know? Yeah, it's its just its just strange, dude. Every week we sit here and we look at their team and we, we make excuses for their attack and we preview their games and we look at their lineup against the other team and they look like they should be able to take care of business and then they just haven't done it for most of the games this year. But I think that, I just think that this Bulldogs team is still very depleted. I know Josh Adokar, not, is also like in the 21. We'll see if he plays. I mean, him and Pangai playing might change my opinion a little bit, but I just think that like the Roosters should have the quality to get this done. But again, said that, said that, said that so times, many times this year. So yeah. I am going to tip them, but not with any, any sort of confidence. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think, I think Pangai will play for Canterbury. I'd probably be surprised if Adokar did from all reports. He was pretty knocked around in the sheds on Wednesday night. Um, and the addition of Pangai Jr. should stiffen up the middle of the field a little bit, but it's more on the edges that I that I have concerns for Canterbury. You know, I think Jaden Ockenbaugh has scored the winning try against the 
Titans the other week and, and, and good for him and all that. But I don't like the idea of him on the edge having to make a whole lot of defensive decisions. That was a struggle for him when he was a center or a winger, you know? So it's, it's going to, that's, that's going to be, that's going to be a tough one for him. So I'm taking the roosters, but how can you back them with any faith at this point? You know, here's Taylor rolling the ball end on him. He's after it. He might've got it down. He thinks he did. Oh, cold train cup. I don't have any faith in them, Nick, but uh, I'm tipping them anyway. Oh the God. That's cup. the, that's the worst thing you could have done. It's What's great. the reverse of a show of faith? No, I know. Coltrane like, them. Your your Coltrane season is off the tracks, baby. Yeah, look. Um, yep. Look, the fixtures kind of jumped out at me. Like, I, I don't know how many players Penrith are going to play against the Dragons. I don't know how many dudes are going to rest. Um, yeah, Sharks, Broncos, you're not tipping anyone there. Can't tip Souths. Tip Warriors last week. Not tipping Raiders or Tigers. It was kind of left by default to be either the Storm or the Roosters. And I don't, again, don't know who, who's going to back up the Storm. Who knows if Munster, Munster's going to play or whoever else. So, yeah, it was kind of by default. So that sucks. But uh, yeah. Love a bit of default. Absolutely. Speaking of those Melbourne Storm, they're heading up to Townsville to play the Cowboys in the second game on Sunday. Uh, the Cowboys' ins list is uh, pretty good. you got Jeremiah Nanai coming back in, apparently. Jason Tamalolo, as well as all their origin guys uh, being named to back up. So right now, Tamalolo's in the 20 jersey. Holmes in the 22 Cotter's in the 23 and Taolungi's in the 24. They've got they've still got a 24. So um we'll see how that's whittled down. But at the moment, if all those guys play, that that's that's massive for them, Nick. Well, if they can get all those guys in and if they You've can got get Tamalolo Cotter. in, and that's two big ifs. But if that can happen, then maybe Origin is the thing that kickstarts the Cowboys season. Because you look because all their all their guys who played on Wednesday night, probably with the exception of Val Holmes were really, really strong, you know? And they got Jeremiah Nane back from suspension, getting Tamalolo back in the middle of the field. All of a sudden, the forward pack, which has been such a struggle for them, is looking really good and really deep again, you know? And getting the confidence from 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 a strong origin performance might get them back on track, you know? And this is a bit they're a bit like they're a bit like Brisbane this week where it's it's how they're going to go is really dependent on how many blokes end up backing up. And we're not, we're just not going to know that until closer to the match. Um, if they were full strength and they weren't coming off origin, I would have thought about tipping them. Maybe not for very long, but I would have, I would have paused, you know, I would have sat there and gone Cowboys. Maybe, maybe it's time. Maybe it's, maybe things are finally about to turn around for them. But as it stands, just with so much uncertainty, you kind of do have to lean Melbourne. I think Munster will play. I think the Storm have always they've they've never pushed their guys to back up for them. But I know Smith and Slater and Cronk um, always made a real point of backing up for their clubs after Origin. And I think Munster and Grant are two blokes who will sort of continue in that tradition. You know, and I, I while the Cowboys are getting a lot of their blokes back, I think the Storm are probably evolving closer towards the sort of attacking football that will be sustainable through the through the rest of the year. You know, I think Eli Katoa on that right edge is starting to do some really, really good stuff. Melbourne are really working well off of him. And I think they're, they're getting closer to sort of the fully formed version of themselves. So I'm, I'm taking Melbourne, but like if those Cows Origin guys are in, I will. I will have a think about it. There will be many, many ponderings. 
Yeah, I think of all the games this week where we've said, oh, we'll have to wait and see the final seven teams before we make a definitive pick. I think this is the biggest one because there's so much talent right now sitting in Jersey, starting with the number two on the Cowboys bench. So if they all play, I think it could be enough to sway me. But as it stands, I'll also tip Melbourne. You know what I found out today? I found mm. out that Michael Jordan wore 23 in his career in tribute to Reuben Cotter. That's, I heard that also. Mm. So that's... um, They love Reuben Cotter in Chicago. They do. Mullet um, flapping in the breeze of the Windy City. He'd do well at North Carolina as well. Oh, would he? What? He's a Tar Heel from way back. Oh, Are they he, South Carolina? Is it, no, no uh, South Carolina. South Carolina Tar Heels. Uh, North Carolina is... Wait. I'm pretty no, sure it's South North Carolina, Carolina Tar Heels. No, South Carolina Gamecocks. What are we saying? Oh, well, you know, and how North would you Carolina look at Gamecocks? Well, uh, shout out Grayson Waller. Has a Gamecocks tattoo on his foot. Does he really? Yeah. We well. haven't seen it. No, yeah. I I haven't seen I haven't seen his feet, Matthew. Well, he doesn't wear shoes very often, so I thought you might have, but that's okay. Um, what position would Ruben Cotter play at uh, North Carolina on the football team? On the football team, yeah. um, well, he's not playing basketball, is he? Let's. let's well, is he a gritty slot receiver in the Wes Welker mold? That was my immediate thought as well. But yeah. he's such a he's such a feels like that's feels like he could play both sides. You know, you know, you know, he's a hard hitting safety and a gritty slot receiver. No, I was going to say he's like a middle linebacker on a, on a high school football team that wins the state title, but he has to play Div 2 because he's not big enough. Yeah, I like that. But then against all odds, he makes the NFL. What a story. Just a real gym rat, real Indeed. lunch pail guy. Absolutely. First Absolutely. to win or last to leave. Indeed. And the last game of this round is the Panthers hosting. The Dragons at uh, Penrith Stadium. Um, Penrith are so short, they're almost unbackable. But again, look at the lineup and there's... Um, well, the, the, they've named all their guys to play in the starting team. So they've just named Crichton, To'o, Luai, Cleary, um, Isaiah Yo, all in the starting team. Liam Barton's on the bench. And then on top of that, they've got Spencer Lee lurking in Jersey 24 and Isaac Tungo lurking in Jersey 23. So Penrith could be... They're basically at full strength now, which is... Well, I, I, if I'm guessing, I would say Penrith pull a couple of their guys, but yeah. the guys that come in will be Lenyu and Tungo. So they will lose a bit, but they won't lose too much. I think Tungo's will be a really big return for them because Tyrone Peachy's done okay at times, but I think they've missed um, Tungo's sort of direct running on that left edge, which is kind of the most consistent thing they had as they were sort of working out what they were going to do down that side in a, in a post Viliami kick out existence. Um, I think with all the flack that Cleary and Luai have copped over the last couple of days, I think they'll both push to play. And I think they'll be looking to work some feelings out against, uh, against the poor old dragons. So, and, and the dragons, while they did have that good performance against the Roosters two weeks ago, I think that game against the dolphins was probably what we can expect from them for much of the rest of the season. Um, I think Ben Hunt will push to play, but like who knows what he's going to be able to do after a pretty big stint on, on Wednesday night. We didn't mention him in the, in the wrap up episode. We probably should have. I thought he was really, really tidy and the dragons just sort of don't have a lot of stars to lose right now, you know? So you got to go the riff in this one. Yeah. I think that this one doesn't bear too much analyzing. Give me Penrith and, uh, yeah, maybe the Dragons spring an upset, but yeah, look. Give me Penrith and give them to me right now. Indeed. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, no, it's Simi Redradra. 
Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Semi-run-run-run. Oh, he's absolutely buried it. Run-run-run. All right, better news before we get out of here. Nick, Jason Riles has uh, abandoned his beloved St. George Laura Dragons. Said, no, I'm not doing it. Yeah, this was surprising because the way that people in the know were talking about it, this was like a day away from being announced. And like, that was like, oh, this could get announced tonight. Then two days later, he flips on him and he's going down to the storm Mm. instead, which I thought was really, really surprising because while Craig Bellamy makes retirement noises every year, he makes retirement noises every year and he's yet to yet to hang up the boots. So there's no guarantee that that Ryle sort of walks into that role afterwards. And while the Dragons do have their their problems, I think there is some talent on that roster. And I think it's as good a situation as a rookie coach could kind of ask for in terms of raw materials or whatever. I know that there's dysfunction in the boardroom and all that sort of thing, but oh man, it's a, a, a there's only there's only 17 of these first grade jobs, man. It's just a lot to turn down. So I was surprised by this from Riles. Yeah, me too. But like, I guess it's just endemic of like how poorly that club is perceived by everybody else in the rugby league world. I mean, I don't know exactly what it is. I'm not across the ins and outs, but you've got like, there's so many guys who are associated with the Dragons in some way who you would think would be jumping at the chance for this job. But like, you know, they're they're not like they, they keep flooding around names like Ben Hornby and Dean Young and Riles, especially. But now that Riles, Riles, I mean, was working at the Roosters and has now opted to sort of take succeed Craig Bellamy rather than stay here. They've got Craig Fitzgibbon who played for them, who opted to go and coach their rivals instead. So, like, it doesn't look great for them. I know Craig mm. Fitzgibbon's only there for like two seasons, but you get my point. And yeah. then there's guys like Dean Young and Ben Hornby as well, whose names have been floating around for ages. But yeah, I think it's it's just a really bad sign of how they're perceived as a as how perceived. That, I'm sorry, how they're perceived to be as not as professionally run as other clubs right now. Yeah, they got to, they really got to get it together. I think Hornby and Young, it's down to, it's a race in two now. Um, and I would, I would pr- like, this is just me spitballing. I would probably say that Hornby's in the lead a little bit just because the team where he's an assistant coach is doing better than the team where Young is an assistant coach. And I think Hornby would probably be a better selection just because. He does have at least a little bit of diff- distance from some of the board. Like if you bring in Dean Young, Craig Young, still still such a powerful figure at the club. It's sort of, and not not that Dean Young wouldn't deserve the job. I think it would just sort of, for a club that's sort of that that that, that looks like they need a fresh change and a fresh approach, bringing in the son of one of the power brokers, even if his credentials are good, probably won't energize the the club and the fan base in the way they need it to. Yeah, um, and Isabel Kelly's still at ICU. She's been in Westmead Hospital since that incident last night, but uh, she's hoping to be discharged from hospital tomorrow. Really scary, really scary. Yeah, what, I mean, we what, were there. It looks immediately like yeah, she was down what on the ground scared for like me, a couple of minutes. What scared me was how scared she looked on mm. the field. Like you should, like something was going wrong and just how 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 scared she looked kind of kind of rattled me a little bit. So, you know, sending her all the best. Yep, absolutely. All right. Uh, before we get out of here, quick shout out to people in the top two tiers on our Patreon subscription service. If you'd like to support us, go to patreon.com forward slash number rookies. You get an extra podcast every single week as well as access to our Discord server, uh, merchandise discounts, and plenty of other things. I don't know why you'd want a bonus podcast this week. We've given you so many podcasts. Too many podcasts, some would say. But I say the exact right amount, which is, I believe, for this week, Cambo is now five. Uh, and... 
Oh, you unmuted. I thought you were going to say something. You've re- you've now remuted and tried to talk. I'm podcasted out, dude. I got nothing left. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I, do, I don't get origin. I don't get podcasts. And you don't I don't. Get I, don't under, I don't understand anything anymore. All right. And shout out to Chris Avenel, Dave, Rocky, and Rafi Stu, Wes Bueno, Alex Sergicomi, Butsy, Chewbacca, Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullinane, David, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer. Don't piss on my back and tell me it's raining. Ed Burton, Frankie, Horsburgh scores, wrote Jace Felix Farnworth, Jason, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, Josh Papstein did not retire himself. Kick Souths out of the comp. Lachlan Hancock, lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Smithmore, Matty Jenkins, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins. My name is Matt Bungard and I love Taylor Swift. My ding ding dong is hard and I am sad. Never trendy. Pat McManus, Ray Stone Gossard, Reese Brown, Rowan Evers, Roxanne Clark, Shanta Ty, TB, The Black Vegetable, Thor, Tom Hardy, Was, and West Lives Podcast. Thank you so much for your support. To everyone in the lower tiers and everyone who just listens thank you as well everyone on that list gets origin in ways that people who don't get origin could never understand all right camper we are out of here regular scheduled programming will resume next week and we will see you on monday after what we hope is a pretty solid round of footy after last week say goodbye camper goodbye bertrand (laughs) it's goodbye from me